0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production, available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast
1: One. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Once again, it's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. Geico.com.
2: Broadcasting live from the Mercedes Man (laughs) Cave. Top that, Chris. This is Dan Patrick. Oh, James Harden just missed another three-pointer. Welcome to the program. Already in progress, hour one. We debated the greatness of James Harden. And Damian Lillard had 61 last night. But, of course... We focus on James Harden going one for 17 from three-point range. 57th career game with 10 or more missed three-pointers. By far the most in NBA history. He has 57 of those. Next is Steph Curry with 26. Then it's Eric Gordon, Paul George, and Klay Thompson. 14 of these games have come this season. That's the troubling stat I have with James Harden. Fourteen times he's missed at least ten three-pointers. And I know that he's a volume guy, but at some point, are you hurting your team? He helps his team immensely. Last night he hurt his team. Because if you're not making them, at some point, maybe somebody else has got a better shot there. Defenses are geared to stop you. At some point, you got to find somebody else, and maybe it's just a two. God forbid somebody's going to shoot a two in the NBA. Harden normally gets to the line a lot. That helps with his point total. But last night, he shot them out of a a victory. When you're up by, what, 15 with seven minutes to go and you lose, I'm putting that on James Harden, but also Mike D'Antoni. But I don't know what Mike can do anymore. Because James Harden, once you get that taste of scoring and stardom and that's what you're known for and you're going to turn in maybe the second greatest scoring season, Aside from Wilt Chamberlain. So, Wilt had all those numbers. James Harden is maybe going to have the greatest scoring season in NBA history, modern history here. He wants to keep shooting. He's playing too many minutes, in my opinion, and I think we're getting into the same rut that we did the last couple of years. You get to the playoffs, all of a sudden, defenses, they have, you know, a seven-game series, that defense is geared to stop you. And they're going to see you the next night and then the next night. And that defense is geared up, and you're going to be exhausted probably. And it doesn't bode well for the Rockets, at least not now. Granted, it's January. Are they going to make a trade? Are they going to do something? Lakers got roughed up last night, big time. Celtics, Celtics it felt like, um, I'm not going to say they needed to win more, but it felt like they were a little more desperate. Here's Frank Vogel, the Lakers coach, echoing those sentiments. We need to bring it in first half. So pick it up bring it. And we try to come out with some aggression in the second, second half. But um, credit to the Celtics, they played exceptional. You know, they're a desperate team. They
0: lost six out of eight. They needed to win. They needed to play well. And uh, and they did.
2: Yeah, they did. Reggie Miller will join us coming up next hour. We'll talk to him. This is just one loss. And in the NBA, this happens. You get blown out. It's just one loss. Now, you might say, boy, if you're getting blown out by 30 points, you got real problems. It's one game. Let me see – Anthony Davis played, what, 22 minutes here. What moves or move would Reggie have the Lakers make here? Clippers Mavericks is tasty coming up tonight. Um, Danny Sheridan, USA Today Oddsmaker, will join us in about 10 minutes. We'll get his thoughts on the do's and don'ts of betting on the Super Bowl. Right now, it's one and a half Kansas City. I always lean towards the better quarterback. And Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Jimmy G. Now, down through history, normally if you go with the better quarterback, in my opinion, you win. Nick Foles surprised us all. He had come off a great game, and then he goes toe-to-toe with Tom Brady, and then he wins the Super Bowl. But if you look in the last 15 or 20 years, McLovin, it feels like the better quarterback wins majority of the time in the Super Bowl. But
3: I thought you also had a theory – tend to pick defenses, too. That might be your preseason well, I, pick. I,
2: yeah, my preseason pick is based off how good is your line, offense and defensive line. Like, I, I factor that in. Uh, the, the quarterback and the coach as well. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. Um, I like their offensive line, and I thought their defense got better in the last month of the season. Uh, I did have my doubts with Kansas City going to the Super Bowl, but I don't know. I don't. I think the better quarterback wins. But then I picked the Chiefs to start the year. I'm not going to change now. Even if I felt San Francisco was going to win, I'm still going with them. I just don't know. If you stop Derrick Henry, does that mean you can stop the Niners running attack? Like, that's a good start. And that would certainly get my attention if I'm Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. What did they do with Derrick Henry that we have to be ready for? Because that's a Great offensive line with San Francisco, and it feels like whoever you put back there is going to have a big game. You want to make Jimmy G beat you. And maybe he does. Maybe he shuts me up forever. But I've yet to see. In New Orleans, that was an impressive performance by Jimmy G. Uh, Even going to Baltimore in the rain. You're looking for those moments. When you're on the road, it's a big moment here, and now you have the Super Bowl. But this is a team that clearly does not want him to throw. Now, you can say they don't need him to throw. I get the feeling they don't want him to throw. And we're going to find that out in a few days. Yeah, McLennan.
3: Does any part of you look at that 49ers defensive line and say, well, that's
2: kind of like the Giants against Tom Brady. Yes. They're so killer. And they must hit him every single time they can. That's what the Giants did when they beat the Patriots in that undefeated season for the Patriots. They hit him. They hit him. Titans did not get, get to him at all. But it, San Francisco's defense is a whole lot different than the Titans. That's the best defense in football. Yeah, Paul?
0: Regular season, the Niners' defense was ranked second only to the Patriots in yards given up. The The Chiefs aren't bad. They're kind of in the middle of the pack. They're ranked 17th over in a lot of categories, 17th, 16th in a lot of defensive categories. Definitely improved from two years ago.
2: But I also think that they changed that the, the complexion. Chris Jones, like they, they felt different in the last month of the season, six weeks of the season. I forget what day it was that I came in, and maybe it was a Monday, and I said the team that you got to keep an eye on is the Kansas City Chiefs. They are getting better at the right time. Baltimore we knew was great. I just didn't know how they would perform in a big situation with Lamar Jackson. And they panicked. They truly panicked there. Uh, Kansas City, it feels like, didn't panic against the Texans and didn't panic against the Titans. Now, if you're down 17-7 to San Francisco, it might be different. If you're down 24 nothing, like they were against the Texans, it, it'll be different there. But let's see if that – would you look at the, the Super – the quarterbacks who have won Super Bowls, Did the better quarterback or what we consider the better quarterback win, McLevin? Yeah, I have
3: stats, Inc. uh, See if they have any stats that could back that up. Maybe number of Pro Bowls or something. Like, I would imagine you're
2: absolutely right. Well, I think it's just that feeling where if you say, I used a better quarterback than that guy. You know, a guy who had a great playoff run, because we're looking at what Mahomes is doing now and saying, is this as good of a playoff run as a quarterback has ever had? I would encourage people to look at what Joe Flacco did when the Ravens won the Super Bowl. Joe Flacco was spectacular that year. Joe Flacco beat Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, and Tom Brady, I believe, if you go back and look at that.
3: But that's so funny because I was going to ask you, is Joe Flacco an exception to this rule? Yeah. But you're saying that year he was the better quarterback.
2: Well, no. He was incredible in that postseason run. I'm just comparing that postseason run with Patrick Mahomes because... Now we're looking at what Mahomes has done so far, and I I remember that I don't think Flacco threw an interception in the postseason. I think he might have had, you know, like 16 touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah, on club.
3: You had that little run where Brad Johnson won one and Trent Dillper won, but then it's Brady, Ben, Peyton, Eli, Breeze, Rogers, Eli, Flacco, Russell Wilson, Brady, Peyton, Nick Foles. So there's exceptions. It's a list of who's who all
2: fame. Yeah. It's just the importance of the quarterback now, it feels like that the better quarterback will win the Super Bowl. When you were looking at Kurt Warner versus Ben Roethlisberger,
3: 2009, I believe, like, who's better there, though, when you have two great guys going against each other?
2: Well, I thought Warner was uh, at the time because they got hot. They were 9-7, and then they got hot. But I think overall with the season, Ben was probably considered the better quarterback. Because we weren't sure with what Kurt Warner and the Cardinals were doing right in front of us. I I would guess the general, they're both Hall of Famers. I would say that Ben Roethlisberger, you know, would have been considered the better quarterback at the time. Yeah, Pritzy.
1: Doug Williams, Elway Super Bowl twenty-two. Yeah, but that's that's a
2: long time ago. Just for recent. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about recent. In the last 15 years. Yeah, Paul. I've got a list of the best and worst quarterback matchups in the Super Bowl
0: all time. No offense, but which do you think, as far as, like, star power, is the worst of all time? Uh, It's probably uh, 15 years ago. Super Bowl, what, 35? So A little more than that? Yes, McLovin. It's got to be Stan Humphries you're talking about. I got Trent Dilfer, Kerry Collins in the Super Bowl. Oh, I
3: thought you meant most lopsided. Wasn't did Steve Young go against the Chargers? Stan Humphreys one year. I believe he
0: was in the starting. Well, round. you had Peyton Manning, Rex Grossman, so I'll take that all day. Everyone <laughs> wants to go a piece of most overwhelming quarterback matchup.
2: Oh, lopsided one side, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: But then you got Jim McMahon, Tony Eason. McMahon was not an all pro. No, but Brad Johnson, Rich Gannon. Well, Gannon was MVP. Yes, but as far as like household name, he had that one or two good years. Yeah, John Elway, Chris Chandler. Yeah, no. Tom Brady, Jake Delhomme. Although they went
2: toe to toe with the Patriots, right? Jake Delomey, he was uh, he he played pretty well. Joe Theismann, David Woodley, back in the day. Yikes. Yeah, but did Woodley get the, the? No, he didn't win the Super Bowl. Now that was the Regans when Riggins had the fourth yeah. down run. Okay. I was also looking at this with uh, the Bengals, and Adam Schefter had a report where he said that the Bengals are not considering trading the number one overall pick. And the Bengals wisely came out and said, wait, well, hold on here. Hold on here. Wait, we, we're, we're still assessing this. Now, I'm sure that Shefty had somebody there with the Bengals who said, "No, we're locked in on Joe Burrow," which is fine. But the Bengals want to be open for business. If somebody is going to and, – and look at all the teams in the last couple of years um, – Los Angeles traded up with Tennessee, and they got Jared Goff. Tennessee traded its first, fourth, and sixth-round selections to Los Angeles in exchange for Los Angeles' first, uh, two second-rounders' third-round selections, as well as Los Angeles' first and third selections in the 2017 draft. All of that for L.A. to go after Jared Goff. Cleveland traded its number-two overall pick and a conditional fifth-round selection to Philadelphia in exchange for Philadelphia's first, third, and fourth-round selections, and as well as Philadelphia's first-round selection in the 2017 draft. Denver. Seattle traded its first round to Denver in exchange for Denver's first- and third-round selections. That's for Paxton Lynch. Uh, Philadelphia got Carson Wentz. Mitchell Trubisky. San Francisco traded Their first round, number two overall pick to Chicago in exchange for Chicago's, hold on, Bears fans, first, third, and fourth round selections and their third round selection in 2018. Um, Kansas City traded up with Buffalo to get Patrick Mahomes. Let me see. Uh, Kansas City gave up their first and third round selections as well as their first round selection in 2018. Houston traded up with Cleveland again. So Cleveland's lost out on Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz. They had the opportunity to draft both of those guys. Um, 2018, the Browns took Baker Mayfield. Uh, The Jets, they traded up with the Colts. Buffalo traded up with Tampa Bay to get Josh Allen. Arizona traded up with Oakland to get Josh Rosen. Baltimore traded up with Philadelphia to get Lamar Jackson. In other words, if you want a great quarterback, the trend is you trade up to get him. Do I still think that they're going to be taking Joe Burrow in Cincinnati? I do. But I would put it out there. You know, Joe Burrow, people have said this to me. Well, how does that make Joe Burrow feel? Like, do they really want him? I hope somebody tells Joe Burrow, this is business. That's all this is. We'll fall in love with you when we need to. But we want to give the presentation of, does somebody want to come up and get us? Right? I mean, just imagine how quiet Arizona was with Kyler Murray. As quiet as he was when he came on our show at the Super Bowl last year. But you got to listen because somebody may come in and go, Joe Burrow is the next Joe Montana or next Tom Brady. We can't miss out on him. Maybe. And if you're going to say, look, we're closed for business. And this isn't one of those things where you're paying an exorbitant amount with the number one pick overall. It's not like $50 million that Sam Bradford got. You're, he's slotted, you know what he's going to make. you get him on that rookie deal. you got him for five years and maybe you could build something around him. That is the blueprint for the NFL. Find your quarterback, hopefully you get him on that you know that rookie deal and you got five years to surround him with greatness. And that's probably what Cincinnati's going to do. I don't know, you know, would I keep Andy Dalton if I wasn't completely sold on Joe Burrow, yeah, maybe. You're not winning anything in the, in the next couple of years in Cincinnati. Not happening. But if you got a franchise quarterback, then great. You're ahead of the game. Because look at the teams that don't have franchise quarterbacks. Now, you can say San Francisco, do they have a franchise quarterback? I don't know. But he might be the perfect quarter, quarterback for that team. I don't know if Jimmy G's a franchise quarterback. Patrick Mahomes franchise quarterback. Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz is. We don't know about Baker Mayfield. You know, the Patriots, do they have a franchise quarterback? Probably not. Does Carolina have one? Tampa doesn't have one. I mean, there's a trend here if you're looking at these teams and they're going to be successful in the postseason. Ryan Tannehill is an outlier. But then once again, he was the perfect quarterback for that system. And you had Derrick Henry. But, you know, the Chargers don't have a franchise quarterback anymore. Do the Raiders have a franchise quarterback? When you get one, you keep him. You zero in on him. Like Justin Herbert with Oregon. I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback. I think he's extremely athletic, but I don't know if, you know, you build a team around him. But it feels like, you know, if he's there, the Chargers might go after Justin Herbert. Is Tua going to be a franchise quarterback? I don't know because I don't know how healthy he's going to be. These are the big questions that you have. Big questions there. What did Stephen A. Smith say about Patrick Mahomes yesterday? Did he, did he talk about how Alex Smith could have led the Chiefs to the Super Bowl this year if he was healthy? Is that what it was, Andy? Yes. Okay. Could have. Okay. Alex what, Smith was a regular Pro Bowl quarterback. But Patrick Mahomes did lead them to the Super Bowl. Right. Alex Smith never did. No, he so didn't. So we know that. He was a good quarterback. Do I think that Alex Smith, down 24 to nothing, would have led the Chiefs back? No, I do not. Okay. And that's all I need. That, that is the only thing I need to say to Stephen A. Smith, not that he's asking for my opinion, but I would go, that right there, Alex Smith can't do. That's it. Very good quarterback. They had 11 wins a couple of times, but Patrick Mahomes is different. And is he different than Alex Smith? Yes. Just like the fact that they drafted him and they still had Alex Smith tells you everything you need to know about that. So when you say, well, Alex could have done this. If he could have done this, then they wouldn't have traded up to get Patrick Mahomes. They would have kept Alex Smith. There's your answer. All right, Danny Sheridan's going to join us coming up. But what did you send me? The Flacco Mahomes numbers here. Uh, Flacco, 11 touchdown passes, zero interceptions, and uh, threw for 285 yards per game, completed uh, 50, 58%. Yeah, Mahomes' numbers are better. But Joe Flacco had a great run there back in, uh, what was that? 20- 2012. Yeah. He had
0: 11 touchdowns, no picks. That's amazing. we got to be the only show comparing Joe Flacco and Patrick Mahomes to them.
2: Well, I just, <laughs> when you get quarterbacks on a run in the postseason, they, like Montana never threw an interception in the Super Bowl. Like those are just sort of amazing stats. Big time moment, Joe Flacco was was great. He was. Yeah, McClough.
3: Yeah, but if Fritzie's guy could have stayed on his feet, the uh, UCLA quarterback who fell in Denver, what was that? Then uh, Joe Flacco would not have been in the Super Bowl. Raheem Moore, is that the guy? No. That was that the was, big play. That yeah. a overtime. That was the throw no.
2: that Flacco made. Yeah. didn't anybody get behind you. Yep, and that interception would have cost them the opportunity to win a Super Bowl. Worst
0: wasn't, wasn't that Peyton Manning would have hosted the Super Bowl in New Orleans? I mean, he would, wasn't that Super Bowl in New Orleans and Manning would have been playing in it? I'm pretty sure that's how it would have been.
1: It was, Yeah, it was in New
0: Orleans. Against the Niners. The, yeah, the lights went out yeah.
2: in oh. New Orleans. Hmm. All right, we'll take a break. Phone calls are welcome, but uh, we'll talk to Danny Sheridan, USA Today odds maker on do's and don'ts of betting on the Super Bowl. Have that for you coming up. It's uh, 20 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show.
0: Hey, it's Paulette Paps from the Dan Patrick Show. We've got an awesome podcast to tell you about today. It's the big podcast with Shaq. Of course, it's big. Tune in every week as Shaq and his crew cover sports, entertainment, and a lot more with Shaq. That's the only way the diesel does it. The show is full of laughs and amazing stories. Stay tuned to the end of this episode from a great clip from the big podcast with Shaq. Then be sure to subscribe on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast listening apps so you don't miss an episode.
2: Update the poll results, McLevin.
3: If you could have either these two guys on your team, Damian Lillard or James Harden, who do you want? 71% Damian Lillard.
2: He's Danny Sheridan, long, long long-time handicapper, sports analyst for USA Today, also a contributor to Cigar Aficionado. He's been asked to be the keynote speaker at the annual meeting of the College Football Association in April. His talk will be on sports betting. Got a recent column in uh, Cigar Aficionado magazine, Five Rules of uh, Super
4: Bowl Betting, which we'll get to. Danny, good morning. How are you? Good morning, and I want to congratulate you on being selected to the National Sports Media Association Hall of Fame because I remember you when you were at CNN Sports. But you bet against me getting into the Hall of Fame. Well, the odds were a long shot when I knew that wild Dan Patrick in the uh, 80s at CNN in Atlanta. Yes, yeah. I would have bet against you.
2: All right. Uh, you're going to talk to the College Football Association about sports betting.
4: What do yes, you sir. Time? I'm really honored about that. Shows you how times have changed. Yeah. Yeah. Ever since sport, well, this would have never happened if sports betting were not legalized in May of 2018 by the Supreme Court. But, yeah, there's a lot of uh, people who don't understand sports betting and they think that games can be fixed. And, oh, now that it's legalized, it's Sodom and Gomorrah. But anyway, yes, it, it, I'm looking forward to it and I'm really uh, very, very flattered that they asked me.
2: Why is it legal now in, in a lot of states? What happened?
4: Well, what happened is we got out of uh, the 1800s or the 1700s. I would ask you, and I have before on the show, why can the people of Nevada bet on sports where it's legal and the people of New York, Alabama, et cetera, can't? It's just insanity. And everyone from, you know, at Europe, you can bet on our presidential election. By the way, you can't bet on our presidential election here. But in Europe, as you know, you can bet on sports. You can bet on sports, our sports in Canada. It's crazy. So finally, the Supreme Court decided to hear it and said, It makes no sense. I mean, murder is not legal in any state, but betting is legal in Nevada. Why can't the rest of them do it? And that's a garrulous answer.
2: Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out where we're headed with this. And and I I always tell people that, you know, we look at officiating, and right now we can look at officiating. We might not like it. All of a sudden, when it's legalized betting and there's more money on these games and, like, worst-case scenario here. You know, it could be bad because we're holding people accountable here. And it feels like these leagues are running out of excuses. You have, you know, the cheating scandal with the Houston Astros. We've had uh, calls that weren't overturned in the NFL when they're obvious there. You know, basketball, it looks like the star players get star treatment. I don't know how far it goes, Danny, but what concerns do you have with those scenarios?
4: Well, first of all, I don't have any concerns because let's just say that a referee were going to fix a game. What is he going to do? He's got to bet on it. Dan, you, me, a referee, you cannot bet that kind of money without raising a red flag. And the safeguards are in place. When when sports betting came in, I guess in 1940 when the point spread was invented, it's been the same thing. Even though it's legalized now, it's even harder to fix a bet. If you walk in, Dan, or just say brother Todd Fritz walks in, and he wants to bet $5,000, which is a lot of money, but not a lot of money if you're going to fix a game, and he wants to bet it legally in New Jersey, it's going to raise a red flag. It's obviously going to raise a red flag with your bookmaker if you bet $500 a game, and all of a sudden you'd like to bet $50,000. Mm-hmm. Dan Patrick has a great line of credit at his local bank. Let's say you have, make up a figure, Dan, 25000 and you walk in and you want to borrow a million dollars, you're going to raise some red flags. So you're going to get caught if you try to fix a game. And whenever there's a bad call or like the Astros cheating, no one capitalize on it in betting. If they did, they'd be caught. When an inordinate amount of money shows up on a game, it's generally fixed. And real quickly, the Tulane betting scandal, those guys were betting the college students $25 a game. You remember the Tulane yeah, betting scandal? Yeah, yeah. With Huntley. Anyway, $25 a game. They called their bookmaker locally and said, hey, we want to go to $50 a game. They went, well, that's a red flag for that bookmaker in New Orleans, but no big deal. Then they wanted to post up a few hundred dollars. He cut them off. He notified Vegas because it was not legal. He couldn't call the U.S. attorney there and say, "Hey, these guys are fixing games." Thank you, sir. What do you do? Oh, I'm an illegal bookmaker. <laughs> so he had to call. Yeah. It's silly. He yeah. had to call Nevada. Tell them they told the New Orleans DA, and that's how the case was uncovered. An inordinate amount of money, which was only twenty-five dollars to a hundred. It's a phenomenal. They do a. They being the bookmakers, and I'm not saying they're choir boys, but they do a wonderful job of keeping the sport clean. Because it's in their interest.
2: And then you had the Josh Shaw situation, where the Cardinals DB who wasn't playing, but then he goes to a sports book and then he bets on the Cardinals.
4: Well, they were a he bet, but it wasn't like he wasn't betting against his team. I'm not going to pass judgment. Obviously, he shouldn't do it, but uh, you have owners that probably bet. I'm not going to mention any names. They certainly gamble in Vegas, but that's again, he didn't bet like. I don't know what he bet, but it wasn't much money. Again, he didn't bet against his team. If you want to bet on your team, I don't want to minimize it, but betting against your team is a no-no. I have no problems that Pete Rose bet on his team, but maybe I'm in the minority. But I would have a major problem if an athlete ever bet against his team, regardless of the reason, and you would too.
2: Yeah, I would. But I have a problem with Pete betting on his team to win because you can manipulate a lineup there. Um and you can use it like a, your reliever, and you're going to put him in there. Um, you, that is, this
4: is very correct what you said, but does that guarantee that you'll win the game? He lost money betting with his knowledge, with his—if you want to use the word—manipulating the lineup. Yeah. He lost money. It's very hard to beat the spread, Dan. It really is. And again, if you don't—if you're betting on your team, how can you? How can? Uh, well, I guess you know a coach could run up the score a professional coach or a college coach. But why would he do that when he's making millions? And if he did it, how would he bet that kind of money? He couldn't bet $20,000 or $10,000 without raising a bell. And I do know of coaches, and I'm writing a book now, who have made wagers when, well, they were out of coaching and they were athletic directors, well-known Hall of Fame coaches, and they took the bet because it was on their team.
2: Talking to Danny Sheridan, the handicapper sports analyst for USA Today, also contributor to Cigar Aficionado. I also think that your bookies, they're going to still exist because it feels like like I don't want my money, the government knowing how much money I want, like taxes
4: are still going to play into this, right, Danny? That's an excellent point, Dan, and I'm glad you raised it and I wish others would raise it. It's not going to affect illegal bookies one iota. If Dan and Danny like to bet $200 a week or whatever with our offshore bookmaker or our bookmaker down the street, we don't want the government knowing about it. What legalized betting is doing is unleashing this pent-up demand of people that like to bet on sports, they like to watch it, and they like to bet on it. So they take Fritzy. I guess he has a son. Hopefully he's not corrupted. He's in high school. He probably bets with his friends. Well, now that he goes to college, he'll be able to bet legally or when he's 21. And that's what it's doing. It's bringing a new generation of bettors who saw their parents bet with illegal bookmakers, and they're betting with legal bookmakers. Dan, New Jersey just passed. As you know, they passed legalized sports betting in May of 18. New Jersey started taking bets, legal sports bets. New Jersey in June. Today, over five billion dollars in bets mm-hmm. a year and a half later four billion in bets just the first 11 months of 2018 tremendous demand out there but your point is great uh, no it's not going to affect illegal bookmakers one iota. it won't drive business away from them
2: all right let's talk about this super bowl if people are betting on it uh, the line is now one at, at what point do you jump on the line it's one and a half for uh the chiefs giving one and a half
4: Yeah, it's one and a half, and the total is 54. And if you're an underdog better, you're obviously waiting to see if it goes up. If you want to bet on the favorite, you're betting the first week, eight or nine days, you'll bet the favorite. So that's pretty much what betters do. And then the total, well, they're not going to have to worry about weather. I don't think they're going to have to worry about weather, but people that bet the total, which is the second biggest bet, combined scores, they'll wait until the day of the game. And by the way, 90, probably 92 to 95 percent of the money, the billions, the 14 or 13 billion that will be illegally bet on the Super Bowl will be bet Saturday and Sunday, the day before the game, not now. And you're not big on prop bets either, right? Why? Oh, it's insanity. (laughs) As I mentioned in the article, uh, bookmakers in Vegas and across the world that I've talked to have told me that only twice in the last 24 years has the public won money betting on propositions. The public bets everything over, Dan, like the quarterback will have over 200 yards passing. So if you have a high-scoring, quarterback, high-scoring Super Bowl like you did two years ago with Philadelphia and New England, then it's, everything's going to go over. The public won during that Super Bowl, and you have to go back, I can't remember the date, the 80s. The public won a ton of money that year betting William the Refrigerator Perry to score a touchdown, 12-1 to odds down the kickoff, which was 2-1 to odds. However, they won a lot of money on that prop but they lost overall. It's just insanity. At 500 props, you can bet everything. The only thing I don't bet, and I don't think you bet on sports, but the only thing that you should bet on is the point spread and the over and under. That's it.
2: Also, when it comes to betting and, and your philosophy, do you do you have a formula that you look at when it comes to betting the Super Bowl?
4: Yes, and I mentioned in the article, I just picked the team. I don't care if the line's fourteen. And it's not in this Super Bowl, but whatever, and by the way, the Super Bowl line has only been, I was looking it up earlier, it's been no higher than like five or five and a half the last ten Super Bowls, for whatever that's worth. But what I do is I just pick the winner. The winner has won this game and beaten the spread 88% of the time, and 57% of the time against the spread is an outstanding record. So, You've got six Super Bowls, and it was in USA Today. The stat I just mentioned mm-hmm. to you today in their sports line, but yeah, just pick the winner. Obviously, this one's a real close line, one one and a half. It could go up, and on the total, Dan. And this may sound contrarian, and I give the reasons for it, but if you have two offensive juggernauts like last year, you had the number one and number two scoring teams in the in the NFL with San Francisco. Excuse me, with the Rams and New England. I take the game under. Two offensive juggernauts, I go under. It went well under the total. Two defensive Star Wars, I go over. That may sound contrarian, but I give the reasons, and it certainly held me.
2: My philosophy is to bet against Colin Cowherd's pick, <laughs> and
4: I'm and I'm rolling
2: this year. So.
4: No, you'd be in really good shape. there. From what, <laughs> from what I've read, you'd be in real good. Very knowledgeable man, but you'd be in very good shape. He put me on his show a few years ago. He was disagreeing with me and he could certainly be right. In this case he wasn't. He said Ohio State would this is many years ago, maybe six or seven. They would lose two they would not lose a game. I told him they would lose two games. We made a thousand dollar bet for charity and they lost two games, like I said. So I guess I was lucky. He's a very knowledgeable and excellent host, but he I would say what based on what I've read, he doesn't have a strong opinion on the point spread overall.
2: Danny, good to talk to you. you Always like, a pleasure. You like the Chiefs, don't you?
4: No, I'm not. I really won't decide until oh, okay. the day okay. of the game. And I would tell you if I liked him. I'm not ashamed to tell you, but no. Just like I wrote in the article, I'm going to wait until the not to the last minute, but I usually make my decision on Sunday. And exactly what I've written is what's helped me to be successful in handicapping the game. Wait, how now, much will you bet? I don't bet, Dan. I pick games for okay. people that okay. do bet. Okay. All right. Now that's another thing. I think I have an advantage. What I've been lucky over the years is because I don't bet. And I have an objective opinion. And if I'm wrong, it's my fault. It's not the coach's fault or the referee's fault. So that's why I don't bet. And
2: I, re- I remember using a guy called the professor.
4: <laughs> oh, my goodness. I had a, I, I,
2: I subscribed to a tout service. And, uh. and it, it, it felt like they would give me one team and then somebody else called in and they'd give them the opposite. I, I don't know how that worked, but. <laughs> I, I remember one year betting on NFL games. I had a tout service, and I think it was called the Professor. Another one was called Big Apple or something. And <laughs> I'd call into this number, and uh, th- I'd say, "What you know? What's your pick?" And, and then they say, "We like the Bears, given the points." And then that would be a click, and that was it. So you you, know, you paid like fifty dollars for each each week or something crazy like that.
4: They call them. I don't know about the. Gentlemen, you're talking about, but they call them scandicappers. and yes, many of them give both sides. And if we had more time, I'd tell you about. They got such great scams. Like, uh, I'll give you one real quick, Dan. Okay. Cut me off if we're running late. Okay. Dan, you call me, and I'll give you a free pick. There's no charge. Don't pay me till you win. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that sounds great. Of course, you know what I'm leading to. So 200 people call, and they give them a, they will give them a free pick, and they'll give 100 one side, 100 the other. Well, 100 people are happy. Then they say, hey. Don't pay me anymore, Dan Patrick. You want to know? I'm going to pick you another free winner. Fifty people will be right, fifty will be wrong. <laughs> now they've got two winners. They go, this guy's great. They get down to about twenty or thirty. Of course, they start with a thousand, and they say to you, "You're going to have to pay ten thousand dollars or five thousand this pick." And you've gone four and zero or five and zero, and you go, "This guy's the greatest." With that, I'm out of oh, breath, boy. and I really appreciate you having me on, Dan. Thank you, buddy. It's
2: great to talk to you. Fun My stuff course. as always, and uh, thank
4: you. Thank you, And Danny. congratulations again on your selection to the National Sports Media Association Hall of Fame. That's a great honor. Thank you. That's
2: Danny Sheridan, USA Today, betting guru there. Yeah, if you remove yourself from, you put actual money on it. And, and I know Danny has always prided himself by saying, look, I don't bet. Therefore, I just look at this, you know, logically. I don't, I don't have any passion with it. I'm not going with my heart. I'm going with the analytics here. Surprised he didn't go with my Chiefs, but yeah, I'm trying to help him. Here. I got to find out who uh, Colin Cowherd's taking because you know I'm talking a good game here with the Chiefs, <laughs> but but I, mean, I had the Chiefs winning it all at the start of the year. So
0: you should stay with them then yeah, and not course. think about it. Oh
2: yeah, I I mean I don't know who he's going to pick, but probably Patrick Mahomes and my Kansas City Chiefs. Now I'm doomed. All right, we'll take a break. More phone calls coming up here. Back after this.
1: When it comes to comfort down below, there's underwear, and there's Tommy John, the revolutionary clothing brand that's redefined comfort for Americans everywhere, including me. To put it simply, Tommy John doesn't give an F. They give three Fs, fabric, fit, and function. See what he did there? Tommy John obsesses over every little detail and stitch by using proprietary fabrics that perform like nothing you've ever worn before. As a result, Tommy John's men's and women's underwear sport, a non-wedgie guarantee. No wedgies, comfortable, stay put, waistbands and a range of fabrics that are luxuriously soft feather light moisture wicking breathable and designed to move with you not against you no bunching no riding up if you prefer to shop in stores you can find them in over 1200 retail locations across the country give three apps about your underwear and upgrade with tommy john today hurry to tommyjohn.com patrick for 20 percent off your first order that's tommyjohn.com patrick for 20 percent off tommyjohn.com Once again, hurry to tommyjohn.com slash Patrick for 20% off your first order. tommyjohn.com slash Patrick. Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcastone.com, clicking on the Support This Podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and, of course, supporting. And now, back to the show.
2: By the way, we're going to be taking the show and the whole crew. We're going to Miami next week. And we would love for you to join us. If you'd like, tickets to the show are free at daninmia.com. I don't know if I like the MIA, Missing in Action. Wow. But, uh... Dan in If you'd like to join us in studio, we'll be there Monday through Friday. Great guests. And, uh, of course, we have a whole lot of fun there. Be uh, happy to have you and host you there as well. Golden Road Brewing. Have you tried it? And if not, why not? Love this beer. Love these people. Because they're doing some different things with craft beer. Mango Cart is one of their beers. It's uh, inspired by the iconic fruit cart vendors of Los Angeles. Wolf Pub Session IPA. Love it. On tap especially, but it's available in all 50 states. Brewed to stand out. You'll find Mango Cart, Wolf Pup Session IPA, California-inspired. Golden Road Brewing Fresh Craft Beer since 2011. Let me see. This is uh, MLB Network is putting this out. Right now they have 213 ballots. So 51%, almost 52% of the Baseball Hall of Fame ballots are uh, being accounted for. And these are the percentages. Derek Jeter right now is on every ballot. Larry Walker at 83%. Kurt Schilling at 78%. Bonds and Clemens. Bonds a, a little bit more than Clemens. Uh, 71.8%. Clemens at 709 That's a big jump. Omar Vizquel, uh, who should be in the Hall of Fame, is up there. Scott Rowland getting a lot of love as well. And that's about it. So Derek Jeter on every ballot. Then Larry Walker, who won an MVP. He was, he was a spectacular player in Montreal and, of course, Colorado. Schilling should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't care what your politics are. Uh, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Look, if you want to put him in, it's a damn museum. I I get to the point now where I just go, put Pete Rose in if you want to. It's a museum. He's gotten more publicity by not being in than if he did get in. But if you want to put him in and you want to say who they are and what they did, great. I'm just tired of the conversation. Bonds, Clemens, do I like to see them prosper? I don't, but at some point, you know, it feels like we're going to make that turn and go. Hey, let's just put them all in. And younger voters are the reason why. Younger voters uh, are less critical about steroids. It appears so. If you want to do it, great. It's your Hall of Fame. Yeah, Paul.
0: But years ago, five years ago, Schilling and I'm mean, sorry, Clemens and Bonds were getting twenty five, thirty percent of the vote. That, they're almost triple that. Why would you change your vote? It's younger voters. It's a combo because it can't be. There's not that many new younger voters. There's also people switching their vote. Why would you
2: switch your vote on on cheaters? Kenny Rosenthal, who's been covering the sport for, you know, what, 40 years, 30 years. He's changed his ballot, I think. He put Clemens on there and he put Bonds on there. I don't know if he's done that every time, but, you know, he would be considered an old school voter.
0: Do you think that baseball writers are almost like the the Hall of Fame is becoming, there's not as many stars going in. Like, let's get some stars at the ceremony. Let's vote for some people.
2: Yeah, but I don't think you want to put. If that's the case, put in Pete Rose. You want to make noise? You'll he's, make noise. He's not on the ballot. I know, but they the Hall of Fame could. The Hall of Fame is separate from Major League Baseball. They they choose to follow the guidelines here. If if the Hall of Fame said we want to honor Pete Rose and we want him in the Hall of Fame, it's their Hall of Fame and it's a museum. Um. And, and as much as I've you know, taken a stance on it and, and you know, I, I know more than I care to know about guys using steroids, they, they benefited. Roger Clemens, don't tell me he was a Hall of Famer before he went to Toronto. He was great, but he wasn't a Hall of Famer. Barry Bonds, you know, if you're a Hall of Famer, then a Hall of Famer wouldn't cheat. So if you say, well, Barry was a Hall of Famer, and then what happened? He decided that, and he made $90 million or whatever when he signed that deal with the, the Giants. Spectacular talent. Yes, we can all agree on that. But you got to the point where you did cheat. Rafael Palmero got to a point where he cheated. Or was he cheating before? A-Rod got to a point where he was cheating. Did they need to? Oh, he was a Hall of Famer before he uh, you know, cheated. A Hall of Famer, I don't think, would cheat. That's That's my whole point with this, but... It's just gotten to the point where it just takes over this sports world for a couple of days and Clemens and Mons.
4: uh,
2: A-Rod's going to come up here in a, a, what, couple of years, and then we're going to go down this road again. Uh, You know, Pudge Rodriguez, Mike Piazza, we went through that with them, and then then it becomes a witch hunt, and then we don't celebrate. Hall of Fame should be about celebrating, and we don't anymore. Wait, you're going to vote for a steroid guy? You know, that'll be the topic. If Bonds and Clemens somehow get in, if Schilling gets in, it'll be all about his politics. Kurt Schilling, he can pitch for my team any time he wanted to because that dude went out, took the ball, and pitched. Now, personally, he's a whack job, but, man, was he a great pitcher. Yeah, Paul.
0: I got a question for the room to open up a little can of worms. Would anyone in this room, both rooms, not vote for Derek Jeter on the first
2: ballot for the Hall of Fame? I know one person wouldn't. I, I don't know. We've... McLovin? Well. <laughs> Save your answer. Save your answer until next hour. <laughs> I think you know the answer. Yes, I do, because McLovin proposed a poll question that was Derek Jeter-based and only Derek Jeter-based. Uh, if you like Derek Jeter, tune in. If you don't like Derek Jeter, tune in. Reggie Miller will join us. Any concerns about the Lakers and the Rockets? coming up. As promised, here's a clip from the big
0: podcast with Shaq. No need wasting time.
5: Oh, you want to get right to it? Oh, yeah, let's get right to it. Oh, my all Here we go.
0: Ready? All, 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 we in an all-business mood today. Well, it's, a,
5: it's not a little business mood. I just don't like
3: uh, This is a weird, weird no, it's story. Not, it's not yes, weird. Yes, it is. You know, it is weird. No,
5: it's not weird. Okay. It's, it's, it's the new generation we live in. Yeah, I think you're right. People will, will feel so comfortable in their house and behind their phones and you know, when they know I'm not around. But I'm not hard to find. Yeah, Both both guys had ample opportunity. What did they do? Put their heads down like the little puppies they are and walk away. <laughs> <laughs>
1: now, Jeez. you see, Shaq, the idea of Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee wanting to fight you. Okay, this
3: came up, by the way, on,
1: on Danny Green's and podcast. Did. And it did. Um,
3: I guess Dwight Howard said, uh, quote, I was like uh, to JaVale, hey, man, did you want to fight Shaq? And he was like, man, I did. I did, too. But then there's two things we got to worry about. He's a cop. So, if we hurt them, we're going to jail. The hell out of here. You're going to hurt oh, Jack. No, and either, two, if we, Jack gets a hold of us, hold it's, it's over. over. <laughs> either one of them. But, yeah. but
5: it just speaks to my leadership abilities. Because what I did is I made them become good players. And exactly what I wanted. exactly what happened to me. World Champion and Kareem made me so freaking mad. Well, I didn't want to fight them because of the respect I had for them. See, these young guys don't have respect for the elders. But they made me so mad. I said, okay, I'm going to make y'all remember my name. And, uh, I'm uh, noticing their name. You know, Javel has a couple of championships under his belt, but guess what? you welcome. I did that. That's what I do. I make people so pissed off. They want to fight me. Kobe wanted to fight me. How many rings you got, B-Dog, Mr. Refreshments? Oh, wait a minute now. Huh? <laughs> <Mr>. Refreshments, <laughs> he, he, how many rings he, he, I got? He, 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 man, man, Kobe, man, has, Kobe has five. You have four. Okay, no, but how many rings do me and Kobe have? I got three. Exactly. So that's what a leader does. I ruffle feathers. I know what the hell I'm doing. Like, I know they're playing. But I'm just saying that what I did to to ruffle the feathers made them okay players. JaVale has two rings, and Dwight, if they keep playing, he's going to have a ring. And all I can say is, you're welcome.